Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 64, the review for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Focus. I'm your boy, as usual, the Hybrid Sonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And today, whoa, I'm feeling pretty hyped because I finally get to talk about a film that was on my most anticipated films for 2018. And uh, you know, it, it felt like you know the longest time I had to wait for this film, but it's finally out there in the wild. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is out and you know before it released we heard you know some interesting rumblings that the film was pretty good and once the embargo lifted everyone was singing its praises so I was like you know what I need to see this film for myself I saw it opening night and um I, I can't hide it man this film is bloody good it is so good brings joy to my soul but before that before we get into this review I feel like I promised something and it needs to be done. There were two films I saw before this, I think literally just in the last week, which were Creed 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet, aka Wreck It Ralph 2. And I feel like I need to share my thoughts on that because I was going to dedicate an actual episode to it, you know, doing a double review, but times are passing and I feel like just short reviews would be better just because. I can, you know, just condense my thoughts into like, what, two or three minutes for both and then get into the Spider-Man review because my goodness, I have so much to say about Spider-Man, but I don't want to go about and have this podcast pass through into 2019 and not have my thoughts out there in the wild about these two films. So before we get into the Spider-Man review, I'm going to talk about Creed 2 first, then Wreck-It Ralph 2, and then we'll get into Spider-Man. Everything will be time-coded as such. So without further ado, we're going to talk about Creed 2 right about now. So with Creed 2, I'm just going to say straight up, I really enjoyed this film far more than I expected. Now don't get me wrong, I knew that a Creed sequel would be pretty good, but I thought that the trailers were, you know, good but not overly getting me hyped, and without Ryan Coogler in the director's chair, I was fearful that this film wouldn't have the same effect that the previous one did, but to my surprise, I ended up liking Creed 2 a great deal. I actually found it to be one of my favorite films you know, experiences in the cinema this year. One of the things I think that the film did pretty well was that it progressed the story in a logical way from the first film. It took the elements that I liked about the first film in terms of having the drama, the emotional moments, good tone, and, you know, a nice sense of continuity with the Rocky franchise, and took it in directions which while predictable still had the right emotional and dramatic elements that make these films worth watching. I thought that the action especially was fantastic. I've always been a fan of seeing you know was it some good hand-to-hand combat in films and this film really 
communicate the visceral, intense, and really exciting nature of boxing in film with some great camera work which had a nice combination of you know shots that were close up far away from above and some really good POV shots with some spectacular use of sound as well which was really really good the performances in the film were also really great everybody from the previous film did really well obviously Michael B Jordan as Adonis was really great Sylvester Stallone is still really good as Rocky their relationship, you know, Adonis and Rocky was really, really great. You can tell that there is a student-mental relationship, but also a really strong friendship and also a father-son kind of relationship, which is tested and progresses and gets even stronger than it was before. The training montage was super powerful with some really good use of music. I also really liked the use of Ivan Drago, who I thought was a fairly one-note, but really cool one-note character in Rocky IV. They added layers to him that I didn't expect there to be before. And his son, Victor Drago, while he was a bit one note, he does have a cool intensity to him. And as the film progresses, you see why he is who he is. And, you know, you see that there's a little bit more going on with him than you expect. And Tessa Thompson is still beautiful and amazing in this role. And she has really good material to do with Adonis as well. And the story, well, you can tell what it is from the trailer, but for those who aren't aware, Basically, Adonis Creed gets on a winning streak from the previous film and then becomes heavyweight champion of the world, but he gets tested in the form of Victor Drago, Ivan Drago's son, who challenges his championship title. So he has to go about and summon the strength to fight this man while also dealing with the emotional turmoil which relates to the death of his father, who was killed by Ivan Drago back in Rocky Four just over 30 decades ago. The film was really cool, like I said before, it's a bit formulaic and uh, if you've seen any type of sequel or sports related films that have something from someone's past coming back to get them, there are certain elements that play out in the way that you expect, but I still feel like the film had the heart and emotional elements that made it really enjoyable and some of the deep cut references to the whole Rocky franchise, which I didn't think I'd ever see again, was handled in a really, really good way. So. I'd say if you're a fan of this franchise, or just, you know, the first Creed, give this one a watch. It was surprisingly much better than I expected, and also the music was pretty good as well. So yeah, good stuff. Okay, now it's time to talk about Wreck-It Ralph 2, aka Ralph Breaks the Internet. Now, there's a lot to like about this film, and in a lot of ways I enjoyed it more so than the first, because the first Wreck-It Ralph film, when I first saw it, I thought it was one of the greatest things ever, but I think it was just due to the fact that there wasn't really any films quite like it that really celebrated the wonderful joys and fun that comes with playing video games and knowing your lore and seeing all these characters, you know, that I've, some of which I grew up with back in the 90s was really great, especially with my boy Sonic. But um, over the last few years, I've kind of soured on it, and I realized that I only mainly like that film for the video game references more so than anything else. So I was hyped to see the new film, especially after seeing the Disney princesses in that second trailer, but I just wasn't overly hyped on it. So then when I ended up seeing the film the other day, I thought, you know what, this film is actually pretty good. And there's, like I said before, some elements that I really liked about this film more so than the last one. I just appreciate the larger sense of scope, the uh, greater sense of danger with some of the stuff that happens in the story, and seeing the progression of Ralph and Vanellope's relationship was also quite interesting, and some of the video game cameos that they had in this film as opposed to the previous one, just with some of the people that were utilized, was pretty good. And visually the film is incredible, like most Disney films are these days, but scale, 
is one of the things I really like about most Disney films and Disney and Pixar and probably DreamWorks are the best when it comes to creating these incredible versatile worlds that have such a great sense of bigness to it all, a vastness to it all and obviously since this film deals with the internet there is so much to see and look at and obviously because of the internet and the relation to Disney and Marvel and Lucasfilm the amount of references to Star Wars Marvel characters and obviously the Disney princesses and all the other apps like YouTube and IMDB and Twitter and all this other sort of stuff is mental and I am a sucker for references I love that kind of stuff and the way in which it was implemented in this film whether it be in your face in the background it was fab so much fun to try and spot all this random stuff going on and some of the references were really good some not so great but you know it was just fun to see how this film either took the official apps and then put them to good use in the film or had these sort of parody based versions of stuff and one of the things I've always loved about Disney is the way in which they find really creative animated ways to give you a visual representation of things that you don't really think about how it works in real life so the way in which they had you know for instance people on the internet were represented by these little avatars and the way in which they travel from point A to point B or looking at say video sharing sites or bidding on things on eBay it was so creative so much fun and just crazy there were some interesting dark elements of the story that I didn't expect which is that classic Disney like you know darkness that I kinda like but it was in a way which was kinda creepy and I didn't like that not at all but I thought the story in the film was decent the only thing that really bothered me was that one of the main elements that bothered me was just uh, the relationship between Ralph and Vanellope. It easily could have been sorted if these guys just talked to each other like normal people, but unfortunately, that wouldn't make for a very interesting film. So what's the story about? The basic way to summarize it is that Ralph and Vanellope, since the previous film, have you know developed this really strong bond. They go about and hang around in the video arcade world and having good times for ages. However, Vanellope's game unfortunately gets damaged, and the only way that they can save it is by going into the internet and finding an answer. And that leads them to have all sorts of crazy adventures, testing their friendship, and dealing with all sorts of palaver that deals with the internet. And I thought the story was good. It was all the basic Disney messaging that you come to expect, if, especially if you've seen these kind of films for a long last time. But it was fun. It was decent stuff. The film score by Henry Jackman was gorgeous, especially during the uh, action sequences with the driving sequences in the Slaughterhouse world. Um, those driving sequences had some fantastic music. So good. And all the characters were all pretty cool. I did miss the fact that there was less video game stuff in this film as opposed to the previous one but it's to be expected with the internet being such a big thing as it was the utilization of the Disney princesses was fab especially with the fact that most of the voice actresses came back I was so happy and the end credits for this film the post credits is one of the greatest post credit scenes I've ever seen in my life stick around for it is damn good Alright, so now that we've gotten all that stuff out of the way, it's time to talk about the main event. It's time to talk about Into the Spider-Verse. I'm so hyped. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot to unpack about this film. And, you know, I'm going spoiler-free, obviously, because I don't want to ruin this film for you. This is one of those films that I really want you to see as clean as possible. And while the trailers have shown a, a good chunk of what the film entails, there is still a great deal that you get to learn 
when you see the film for yourself. So be very wary. Try to avoid clips. Just watch the film as clean as possible. And uh, don't worry, there's no spoilers in this review. I, I would not do that to you because that'd be mean. But anyway, I, I could talk about this film for an entire hour, at minimum, if I was allowed just to wax poetic about it. But you don't have the time, and uh, I don't think you could you know, listen to me for that long. So, as per usual with this kind of thing, we'll go with the story, characters, presentation, and then talk about the conclusion. So, without further ado, we're going to jump in. So the plot for Into the Spider-Verse can be described as the following. You happen to focus on Miles Morales, a young, smart individual who's adapted to life at a new school, go through the highs and lows of what it's like to, you know, be young and just trying to figure out who you are, really. But his life gets thrown upside down when he is not only bit by a radioactive spider, but also happens to be thrown into a situation that's far greater than he could have ever imagined. As there is a machine that basically has the power to rip reality apart and also connects different universes together and in doing so it happens to grab several different spider individuals from their respected realities and drags them all into Miles's one and so these characters all have to come together work out the differences and fix this machine before it goes haywire and destroys not only them but their universes as well and that is the summary of the plot without going into the area spoilers so if you've seen the trailers for this film, you get the general gist of what's going on. You have Miles Morales in this prime universe, and then you have this crazy machine that happens to distort reality and then bring in several different spider-based people from their own realities into Miles' world, and they basically have to work together. Miles has to learn how to become a Spider-Man in order to turn off the machine, send the other spider-based people back to their worlds before reality gets destroyed by this crazy machine that Kingpin has. Quite simple, but as you watch the film you'll realise that there is so much more going on with this film than the trailer let on, and I love that. There is a great deal of stuff going on with the story, how some of these main characters factor into the story, and there is so much extra humour and drama and depth to this film that I just didn't expect and I, that was the main thing that I liked. There was just a lot of depth and emotion to it and I don't know it was just really really fun. I had such a fun experience with this story. The best thing about it is that for all of the references that they throw at you and believe me there is a ton. If you are any sort of Spider-Man nerd whether you are well deep in knowledge of the comics or the various adaptations there is a great deal of visual and audio based references that you'll enjoy but at the same time this is all about Miles. I liken this film to Captain America Civil War where that film had to do the balancing act of continuing Captain America's story but also progressing the sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe Avengers based content as well and this film strikes that balance perfectly as well. There's so much stuff going on with these extra bias-based characters that factors into the story in a really good way, but at the end of the day, this is Miles' story. And as an introduction to Miles Morales for those who aren't initiated or those who know of him, it's a perfect version of him. You get just about enough of his story, what he's going through, and why you should care about him, that as you see this journey that he goes on, progressing from point A to B, you care about him and it's a satisfying experience that works on so many levels. The humor is really solid. A lot of great like you know verbal jokes, 
great physical humor and it comes at just the right times but the drama is really there there are some really beautiful moments moments that involve like you know really satisfying highs joys but there's some really sad and emotional moments and i'm just like yo man this film is getting me in just that right kind of way that you get with certain disney or pixar or even some of the best moments in certain other comic book movies that i've seen in the past as well the film has it going on in every bloody department and i was surprised by how much emotional emotions i was feeling while i was watching the film the story was really solid really interesting and i was just like wow the writers behind this film they know what they're doing they clearly understand the source material but they also understand that Miles' story is one that needs to be told and while I to my great shame have still yet to read the Miles Morales original run of when he was introduced in the comics which I think was back in 2012 I know of his story and this is I think maybe the third adaptation I've seen with him in it the previous to being the Spider-Man PS4 game and then his appearance in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and this was great they gave us the Miles Morales story from the comics in just about the greatest way that they ever could have it has all the key points most of the stuff that I know about Miles, his family, some of the villains he ran into but the way in which they incorporated it into this crazy story that has these larger than life over the top insane base situations but then made it feel very real and relatable with themes relating to family, growing up, becoming greater you know with the whole um, great power comes great responsibility all that good stuff is wonderful very solid material and it hits every beat that you want as a Spider-Man fan. I can't help but gush about it because it just put such a smile on my face. It just satisfied me on every level with the story. It was really good. Alright, and now it's time to talk about the characters. In Good Gravy, we have some fabulous characters. All of the characters in this film, whether they were main cast, secondary cast, or even down to cameos, were utilized in such a fabulous way that not only served the story, but also made a lot of good winks and nods to fans. And they changed a good few things up in this film, not only for the story, but some of the characters. So if you think that you know how certain characters are going down, this film will surprise you in the best kind of ways. So let's start with Shamik Moore as Miles Morales aka Spider-Man. He was great. What I liked about Morales in this film is that he's a young, bright, creative individual who's very ambitious but at the same time he's young, he's naive, he makes mistakes and he's driven by his emotions which obviously can get you in trouble when you're not thinking clearly. And it was great to see him have these interactions with his family knowing that they are important to him but he has you know his own opinions about how he thinks he should you know live his life he has this really interesting like relationship with his uncle and then seeing him obviously come into uh, contact with Peter and seeing how he affects his life was really good and then obviously seeing the journey that he has as he gets thrown into this crazy situation has to adapt on the fly and then become the Spider-Man of a competent nature that is required for the mission that he has to go on. It's really good. Uh, Moore added such a great sense of fun, charisma, and humility to the character that you couldn't help but get attached to him. He was so much fun. 
And um, yeah, Shamit Moore, he did really well as Morales. Uh, also, you happen to have Jake Johnson as Peter Parker. You know, this Peter Parker was very strange to me in the trailers, and I wasn't sure if I was going to like him, mainly because the voice was so off. And I'm like, this isn't a Peter Parker I like at all. You know, of all the Peter Parker voiceovers we've had over the years, whether you're talking about, like, you know, Christopher Barnes or Josh Keaton or even Neil Patrick Harris, this guy just didn't sound right. But when you find out about why Peter Parker is, who he is, how his life has turned out, you understand why Jake Johnson was a pretty good choice. This Peter Parker, he is very good at what he does. He's very smart, very technical. He's been through, you know, the Spider-Man superhero gig for a good few years. But his life kind of took a wrong turn and he's, you know, a little fat and a little jaded by life. So he just doesn't have time to teach, like, Miles the ropes and just wants to get things done his own way. But... As the film progresses, he realizes that he not only has the means to teach him, but also has the ability to open up and then become a sort of teacher to him. And it's interesting seeing this Peter Parker because he's such a, you know, weird hobo-ish clown as opposed to like, you know, the more competent Peter Parkers that we've seen in previous incarnations beforehand. But it does lead to some really humorous and strange moments in the film, which is really good. And Johnson did a really good job with this role. I also really like Haley Seinfeld as uh, Gwen Stacy as well, because uh, Gwen Stacy, she's been a you know a fan favorite in the comics for many years. And besides, I think maybe Emma Stone's version of her in the Amazing Spider-Man films, there's not really been many adaptations of her that have been you know well known and you know well revered especially when it comes to the Spider-Gwen character. And um, bringing this character to the big screen in the way in which they have was really cool. She was very smart, perceptive, very likable, very charming, very badass, very elegant. And uh, seeing her dynamic with Miles as well from their first interactions to how their relationship progresses in the film was really cool, very well done. Uh, Steinfeld did a really good job in the role. I also really like Marshala Ali as Aaron Davis. Him and Miles' dynamic was really good, and Ali, as usual, always putting in the good work. I also really liked Liv Schreiber as Wilson Fisk. Now, Wilson Fisk, you know, obviously you see from the character design, that guy is huge! I thought at first he seems like a very um, basic supervillain, but then as you see what's going on with him in the story, and why he's choosing to do what he's doing. You realize that there's a lot more depth to him than you expect. And I, while I kind of guess why he was doing it before the film revealed it to me, I did appreciate that it was, you know, comic book accurate and it just felt like a nice way to, you know, humanize him and give him a little bit more layers than, you know, some basic villains get. I also really, really liked Brian Tyree Henry, who happened to play. Miles's dad, Jefferson Davis. I like how these two have a interesting father-son relationship with his dad being very set in the rules, wants his son to do well, but he's very hard on him to, you know, to basically be greater, to utilize his skills and then become like, you know, I guess a proper contributing person to society. And because of their different mindsets and the way in which they operate, they come to clash on a few occasions, but you can tell that there's love there. And seeing the progression of their relationship was really good. And my man, Paperboy, Henry, he was really good. 
And yeah, just all the other voice actors in this film was great. There was some really good performances from people like Chris Pine, Luna Lauren Velas, and Catherine Hahn, who was one of my favorite people from Parts and Rec. She voices a character in this film as well. And when you find out who it is, it is such a great reveal. And the way in which she owns this character was fabulous. And I can't talk about the rest of this cast without going on about the three other Spider-based individuals who were all really interesting and had their own fancy elements that made them memorable. So firstly, let's talk about my boy Spider-Ham voiced by John Milani. At least I hope that's how you say his name. He was essentially the comic relief of the film and he had a lot of Looney Tunes based elements to him. Very charismatic, very fun, very, you know, absurd in the way in which he fit in in relation to everybody else but he was really fun really humorous and he has some really standout moments in the film also you have Kimiko Glenn as Penny Parker who is literally the, the most absurd version of any spider-based character I've seen in the spider-man universe but she was so fun charismatic quirky and you could see that she was really smart, she knew what she was doing, and she had these over-the-top crazy sequences which really felt so Japanese and anime-esque, so if you've seen any anime-based films beforehand or, you know, anime-based TV shows, this stuff will feel very familiar to you and it was done in such a great way. But I think my favourite out of the three of these characters would be Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. Now, I first came across the Spider-Man Noir character from Spider-Man Shadow Dimensions how many years ago? But the way in which they brought this character to life was really, really good. They took the basic elements of the character but really made it its own. This version of the character was just so desolate, somber dark emo-ish kind of gritty and you can tell that he's like uh, just <laughs> so funny because he has this sort of great sense of humor very dark and he's always going on about the meaninglessness of life and he's just so <laughs> uncomfortable to be around because he's just so depressing but he is brought to life in only the way that Nicolas Cage could bring into life and Cage's performance was just fab so good and the Stanley cameo in this film was wonderful. It was short, but it was a more sizable role than he gets in some of his other cameos, and it was just a really great moment. So yeah, if you look out for that one, that one's pretty solid. And the rest of the cast were really good as well. Alright, and now it's time to talk about the main event, the presentation. The presentation for this film was all sorts of incredible. And while I could waffle on about the visual side of this film forever, I, you know, obviously need to keep things as condensed as possible, but try to highlight everything, so let's get into it. From the time that the first teaser trailer showed up for this film, I was in love. The sense of scope, the choices of camera angles, and the way in which they portray these powers, but also had these crazy elements of quick flashes of like what comic book illustrations that were embedded in the film it looked insane and this film just went full on 100% into that the trailers only give you I think about maybe 10% of what this film is capable of from just very small things with the use of thought bubble text that is um, used in comic books to you know the writing to some of these um, sound effects that are illustrated in the film to some of these sort of 
weird freeze frame impact frames of pals punches and kicks that look like they are you could freeze frame it and it looks like it's from a comic book it the way in which they utilize the very core elements of what you see in comic books and then apply it to the 3d animation is ingenious and so well done and the action oh i'm sorry but i have to like you know is it just take it all in the visual side of this film is incredible the action is so good the punches the kicks the flying the swinging the uh crazy amount of movement that the camera does weaving in and out of fight sequences that involve multiple base characters and then you have certain sequences where it's something as simple as a fight in the street or jumping over a building or fighting in the interior of a house or the one sequence at the end of the film where the film just goes balls to the walls insane which g reminds me of like one of the craziest sequences in the Spider-Man PS4 game that came out this year this film just went nuts they went full on comic book nerd with this stuff and the color scheme was all sorts of crazy neons with all the colors of the rainbow thrown in at several different points the film looks incredible but the one thing that I really like was the style of it the way in which the film looks it adopts this sort of 3d animated style that almost has like a sort of stop-motion look to it think back to the peanuts movie from I think was it two years ago that utilized a style where the animation was smooth but looked like it was missing frames in between but the way in which the film moves is so unique and interesting and because it's animation it allows the characters to move in a way that obviously couldn't be done in real life but also has such a crazy bouncy unrealistic movement to it that just allows them to do so many things and spider-man is one of the most versatile and interesting characters and obviously his rose gallery has a lot of really crazy gadgets and suits and abilities and seeing them trying to move that into live action while they have been adapted in live action in pretty good way for the most part animation always just allows you to go one step further and the incredible stuff that they were able to do with some of these characters was just I was dying like you know my mind was melting I hadn't felt such a visual overload of joy in my life since I went to see Tron Legacy and IMAX for the first time back in 2011 because I saw that on you know New Year's Day but this film was fabulous and some of the action sequences in this film easily rival anything that we've seen not only in previous Spider-Man films but comic book films in general it was damn good and I was in love and the film score also by Daniel Pemberton, at least I think that's how you say his last name, was pretty good as well. It has its emotional and dramatic moments. And there was also a good use of, uh, you know, modern music implemented into the film as well that represented not only Miles Morales's you know, younger mindset, but also allowed the audience to connect to the film in a way that I don't think was possible with some of the other previous superhero films. But yeah, the visual side of the film just going back to that real quick just reminded me of the incredible things that can be done with animation when utilized properly and these guys went full-on hardcore you know every so often there's certain animation in films that just allow you to see films in a way that you didn't expect whether it be you know Pixar and Disney 
adding extra levels of realism or you know detail that you never expected to see in a film like say Toy Story 3 or Coco or you have these crazy films that utilize scale in a really good way that make you realize how big things can be done with the right CGI aka How to Train Your Dragon 2 or when the action is just done to a ridiculous degree that looks so cool that you weren't aware that action could be done in that way. So you got films like Big Hero 6, Incredibles 2, or Kung Fu Panda 2 that fall into that category. And this film shows you once again why animation is such a beautiful and versatile tool when you have the right kind of vision, art direction, and it just comes together in just this insane way where it makes me think, yo man, any other animation studio that's going to do any sort of animated material, whether it's superhero or otherwise, you're going to have to step your game up because this film is tight. Alright, and now that just leaves us with the conclusion. What did I think of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Well, if it wasn't apparent already, I friggin' love this film. I was so surprised by the time this film was over how much I was just enraptured by it. It engaged me in a way that I didn't expect. The humor was really solid and again the dramatic elements and Spider-Man based elements that you've come to expect from the comics. Various other adaptations. It was there. It felt like a Peter Parker slash Spider-Man based adventure but for a totally different character and this is the best result that Miles Morales could have had for being adapted into the worldwide audience who weren't aware of his comic book material beforehand. This film was fabulous, it was a nerdy, fantastic adventure, but also even if you weren't aware of who Miles Morales was and all this other stuff, you were being thrown into it and you still understood what was going on, much like when you was watching the Lego Batman movie from last year. The film has everything. It's just a perfect Spider-Man film and in a lot of ways it's probably the best Spider-Man film that exists and it's easily one of my favourite films of the year and I think it might even be in my top 5. I like it that much. I'd highly recommend the film. Go watch it. You'll have a good time. Your children will love it. I think you'll love it. Most of the, everybody in the cinema really enjoyed it and one other thing you have to do. Stay to the end of the bloody credits. I know everybody likes to get up and run away, but no, stick around for this post-credits because this is not hyperbole. This is the best post-credits scene in any superhero film I've ever seen. I, I, I think it might be the best superhero post-credits scene I've ever seen because it was insane, so unexpected, and it is so freaking nerdy. If you know your Spider-Man lore, whether you're like aware of the comics, its adaptations, or you, you know, just know of Spider-Man in a casual manner. If you see that post credit scene, you will love it. It was super funny and incredible and wow. I didn't expect that. Oh, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was bloody amazing, ultimate, sensational, spectacular. Take your pick of Spider-Man based, you know, words. It was great. Watch that post credit. So, now I pass it on to you. Have you seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? And if you have, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Um, did it meet your expectations or exceed them? And if you've seen it, how do you think it compares to all the other Spider-Man films that have come before? Would you like to see a sequel? I'm throwing bare questions at you because I want you to holler at me. And there are many ways you can do that. Firstly, there's Twitter where you can hide. You can find me <laughs> at the Hypersonic 55 or at Film Focus 55 
or holler at me via email where it's thehypersonic 55 at gmail.com or you can holler at me via the blog where I'm at hypersonic55.wordpress.com yeah I'm all over the place just come find me I need to talk to people about this film it was so much fun alright time to go thank you for listening for another episode of uh, Film Focus I'll be back with more reviews just before the year is out and um, yeah hope you enjoy watching some films so until the next time this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out peace Thank you.